So at this time of the year, a lot of people talk about New Year's resolutions. And what about last year? What about the revelations that you may have had last year of God speaking to you? That's one of the things I want to talk about today. But I need the clicker to go to the next slide. There we go. Last year's revelations. So, not New Year's resolution, but what did God speak to you about last year? Are you open to listening to Him and putting things together and think about think about stuff, you know, just kind of independently or critically? Um, I've been a Christian since Halloween of 1975. Now that that, that day is easy to remember. I'll tell you about that. Uh, in the summer and fall of 1975. I was on a submarine deployed in the, in the Pacific, and Sherry was invited to a, uh, a Friday night Bible study group, uh, not in a church setting, but a Friday night Bible study group where people sat down on the floor and they're, and they're cross-legged sing, playing guitars and singing songs. In 75, this is the tail end of the Jesus movement that flourished on the West Coast and in, in Hawaii. Um, and the Holy Spirit reached out and changed her life. That's her story to tell. Uh, several weeks later, I had returned from patrol and uh, came home to see Sherry and our uh, 10-month-old daughter, uh, Stacy, who lives right in Diamond Bluff with her family. And um, now I was at that Friday night Bible study. I was there where people were sitting crammed into a living room. Houses typically aren't very big in Hawaii, especially at that time. So the floor was full of people sitting, sitting and stuff. Um, and it was Halloween that Friday night. And as the kids were trick-or-treating um, the apartments and knocking around on doors there, uh, the topic that night centered around warning about the deception of the evil one and how um, the only, only goal that Satan had is to keep us from understanding who Christ is and what he did for us. I'd been confused. I'd been deceived by, by uh, bad things. Um, uh, there are two, two meaningful verses that came to me. One is 2 Corinthians uh, 11, 13, and 14. Uh, for such, and Paul is talking about those that oppose him, for, for such are false apostles. These are people who are preaching against his word, sowing confusion into the churches in Corinth. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as an apostle of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Now, if you think about that, Satan masquerading as an angel of life, that means you've got you to do some checking things out. And then in Peter, uh, 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That night, I, sitting on the floor in front of Sherry, was on a sofa. That night, uh, I prayed that Jesus would fill my heart and remove any other spirit so I would prevent that. This was my first revelation from the Lord. Bringing about uh, verses in the Bible and really searching out them and trying to figure out you know, what's going on this is my first revelation, that Jesus desperately wanted a relationship with me, 
And Satan only cared about preventing that through a myriad of ways. Now, the full meaning and breadth of salvation and justification, sanctification, all that stuff, that came later. But uh, that was my first revelation from God. So I was asked a question a few months ago. Uh, what was the Evangelical Covenant Church's position on eschatology or the, uh, the events of end times? And, you know, I'm at the church council and this brought up at the church council uh, and without a pastor sitting right there, so I had to do some research. So I went to the ECC website, covchurch.org, which, by the way, is great. You can find all kinds of history there. And... Uh, um, not surprisingly, I, was, I agreed with everything that I found there and I had some real pleasant discoveries too. So as I was reading about you know, eschatology, end times, is there the tribulation, the rapture, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, uh, there's not going to be a rapture, all those viewpoints of end times, uh, I had to read into there. So I got to the point of what does the evangelical church believe? So go back into the 1800s. And this is from the Cove Church. They say, the immigrants who founded the Covenant, 1885, were products of a transatlantic evangelical renewal movement that emphasized life in the spirit over rigid confessions and control of the state church. Now, got some big words there. Um, valuing genuine devotion over empty ritual. They renounce all forms of church life that elevated doctrinal confessions over scripture and that sought to control individuals' consciences. Um, rather, they viewed personal faith as evidence of a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. And they often asked each other, how goes your walk with Jesus? What do the scriptures say? Now, this was a dis description of the people that came here in the middle 1800s and what had been going on in Sweden with the state national church, the, the Swedish Lutheran church, for a long time. And what do the scriptures say? Or where is it written? You've probably heard that too. Where is it written? And that's a connection of, about the, uh, the evangelical... Uh, the, Covenant Church's uh, um, background. So there was, um, in the middle 1800s, there was a, a free church movement in Sweden. People wanted to be free from uh, the state Lutheran church and, were, and worship as, as they wanted to. So those uh, immigrants that came here in uh, 1885, they formed the Swedish Evangelical Mission Covenant of America, which is now called the ECC. And uh, some of those uh, other free friends who had connected later on became the Evangelical Free Church. And we've been part of the Evangelical Free Church in Manitowoc for eight years. Um, what had been going on was a pietistic or pietism awakening. And pietism just means your emphasis on biblical doctrine and individual devotion and not going through the liturgy of the state church. So uh, before leaving their homeland, uh, some Swedes were meeting in people's homes uh, because they felt the state church was becoming overly powerful. They conducted private 
worship services in their own home, singing hymns to guitars, just like we did in 75. Um, and the, uh, the, many times the church officials would come, come to their houses and break them up because for 125 years in Sweden, it was illegal to have a church service that wasn't at the state-run Lutheran church. Um, but that was, uh, the Covenantal Act was repealed in 1858. So with that awakening and reformation, the, the Swedish Mission Church was formed in 1878 in Sweden, and then in 1885 here in the United States uh, it was formed. So <clears throat> these are some of the central covenant affirmations. Um, they talk about the centrality of the Word of God, the necessity of new birth, a personal relationship with Jesus, a commitment to the whole mission of the church, all the things the church wants to do. Um, the church is a fellowship of believers. It's not a building with government officials up front. Uh, you have a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit, really believing how the Holy Spirit talks to us and solidifies things in our hearts. And the reality of the freedom in Christ. And this is the point that I was really looking for, this, the freedom in Christ. Um, the, I, we got some brochures and pamphlets out in the hallway there that talk about all these things that the Cub Church believes. What I found was that we affirm this, the reality of freedom in Christ. Um, because we offer freedom to one another to differ on an issue where there's biblical and historical records seems to allow for a variety of interpretations. Hence, you know, rapture on the end times, the tribulation period. You know, it could be this way, it could be that way. But the, the central part of believing in Jesus as our Savior is one of the core things. The free church says in the... Uh, uh, unity in the big things and in the, the non-essentials liberty so we in the covenant church want to focus on what unites us as followers as Christ rather than what d divides us and some of these examples where different beliefs do not cause division in the covenant church is say infant or believer's baptism do you baptize an infant or do you dedicate an infant no, those are important concepts. We want to let the Holy Spirit speak to each family as they uh, are taught, as they learn, as they study to make that difference. And we're not going to say, you know, the Covenant Church isn't going to say it has to be one way or the other. And this was the beginning of a real revelation, a rev <laughs> revelation to me about the, the uniqueness of the Covenant Church that I liked. Now, bringing it kind of forward to uh, what's going on, current society does seem to be at odds with Christianity, doesn't it? You know, uh, life and death. When does life start? Marriage, morals. Who do we obey? Do we obey God or do we obey man? Stewardship. What about your time and your talents and uh, your resources? Uh, entertainment. There's a lot of lot of uh, differences there. You know, if you look at the Ten Commandments and everything that's in there, that pretty much covers a whole lot of things that in current society, the mainstream, everything is, might be against. 
all of those 10 things. But we shouldn't be too upset. Who are we going to trust? There's a lot of places that people put their trust in. But only God is trustworthy. Uh, in Second Samuel, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. Or in Titus, hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it is, has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. You've got to know what that doctrine is and do something about it. Now, on our coins uh, since 1864, as said in God We Trust, and in the 50s, uh, we made an official motto. But look what trust people have and how much trust people have in the government today. 43%, 38%, 47%. This was last September. Now, I, was, I served in the military. My dad did. My grandfather did. I got two boys, a boy and a son-in-law. Sherry's brothers, Sherry's dad. I'm a, I'm a patriotic American, but in the past, I realized I have to say I'm a Christian first, and then I'm an American. Because countries, nations come and go. But the word of God is forever. The word of God is forever. So how do you know what the Bible says about so many issues? There's, there's a lot out there. And we need, we need to be immersed. You need to be immersed in the word of God to study it enough to read. Now you can read the, uh, the daily bread. You can have daily devotionals that come on your uh, computer and email every day if you sit and read through your emails. Uh, you got Bible apps that beep at you every morning with a new study. You know, you might... You know, in the past, I, I've looked at those and you say, well, yeah, I've heard of that one before, I've read that one somewhere, or that doesn't apply to me today. But if you be, are familiar enough with God's Word, you just immerse yourself so much in God's Word that when you're about to be deceived, you can kind of feel it. You can tell that, ooh, this thing that somebody said doesn't quite sound right. We have to consider the whole counsel of God. Not just one verse. Most people, if they want to influence others, could find a verse somewhere in the Bible that talks about what they want. But you talk about the whole counsel of God. There's got to be half a dozen or more other verses about that same concept. So rather than pick the one that somebody wants to, to emphasize, let's look at the whole counsel of God. Talk about it. Now when you're reading the scriptures... And you're thinking about it. You know, I can read it and then read it again. And the third or fourth time I read it and it's like, oh, that seemed different to me. I never thought of that. And think about part of my life and what's going on there. And what, you know, has that ever happened to you? That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tugging at your heart as you read something you've read before. And it, all of a sudden it has a different, more in-depth meaning to you. And you're thinking, ah, Okay, I'm going to have to click, 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 change some things around and do something a little bit different. Uh, maybe change this in my life. I hope I remember to do that. Like that aha moment. The Holy Spirit is working you, celebrating, go, yay, 
Okay, it's, it's okay that I read this chapter for the third time. You know, in my, I, I do so much on my phone now. I, sometimes I really like to go back to my Bible I've had since the 80s because it's all written all over. I would write down every time I was in church and a preacher would preach on this subject. And I'd write down the year and the date and, you know, the pastor. And the front and the back cover of my Bible all got notes written in it. That's good because it's a, it's a history. It's a memorial. Um, it's a memorial to remember how God has worked in your hearts. Now, as you determine to follow God's way rather than your old panzer, Patterns rejoice in that the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you. Be filled with joy as your views changes to be more godlike. He's given you a new revelation, new revelation. Um, study, read, know, listen. Come on. Where's number 18? Or third, yeah. There we go, there we go. So I asked some people, I asked at the council a while back, he says, does anybody have any big aha moment for them this year? So this is from a friend of mine. And he said, how do I know what decisions to make or what directions to take in any given circumstance? How do I know the choices that I make are what God wants me to do? There's no easy answer to these questions, but these verses in Proverbs and John are the compass that this person uses in making decisions. Well, Andy, can you go to the next one? There, thank you. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Or in John, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Does the world give us peace these days? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So if I have peace in any given situation, I know it's God's leading. Even in the middle of troubling circumstances, the Lord tells us not to be troubled or afraid. When I have peace about a situation, I know the Lord is guiding me and leading because he is the one who gives peace. There. Number three. And then Philippians uh, 4, 6, and 7 talks about the steps. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This just brought to my mind an instance in the, in the middle 80s when we, Sherry and I were at home talking about, in Manitowoc, talking about some issue. I forget what it was. And we said, oh, I wish we would hurry up and learn the lesson that God has for us in this situation so we can get on with life, you know? You know that there's something there and you want to pray that it be removed, be taken care of, but you know God's teaching us something. What is that, Lord, that I can find that you want to speak to me in this turmoil that I'm in? Um, because of these promises in the Bible, I have the assurance that God will lead and direct me in this coming year. 
I don't know what the path looks like. None of us do. None of us do. But I know who directs that path. It's my Lord and Savior who gives me peace and future. Um, do you need that assurity? Do you need that? Do you need to be assured of that? Earlier I talked about the whole counsel of God. Here are some verses to help guide us in that. Uh, and Timothy, be one who correctly handles the word of truth. Now you can pick a little bit here and there, but you've got to pray that you're going to handle it correctly. Uh, Paul did not declare to hesitate, did not hesitate to declare the whole counsel of God, all the parts. Uh, and then there's the Berean Jews. They received the message with great eagerness and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And Peter and the other apostles, and they were being uh, grilled in the sand by, the, by the leaders where they had told them, you can't talk about Jesus. And they did, and they were arrested. They brought back to the trial the judge. And Peter and the other apostles and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Or just, and what did we get through the Christmas season? You know? The wise men, what they heard from God. They were told by the king, come back and tell me where the baby Jesus is because I want to go, I want to go, uh, go see him. Well, in a dream, uh, they were divinely warned that they should not return to Herod and they departed their country in their own way. So this is what I can kind of talk about, the whole counsel of God, not just one thing, but you know, there's reference Bibles that have connections to other verses that talk about the same concept. Uh, they're so great to read those. So this was that verse I put, we put up earlier. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God has a will for us. He has a will for each of our lives through Christ Jesus because then the Holy Spirit comes. Do not quench the Spirit. He's going to work in our lives. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Like trust but verify. From what Reagan said a long time ago, trust but verify. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And this is my, my last year's revelation, that we have a heritage in the covenant church from the early covenanters in Sweden were holding, who were holding Bible studies in their home in direct opposition to the law, and the, the, the people of the church who would come to homes and tell them they can't worship in their home, um, to now. We need to stand fast against a society and a culture that desires to silence the word of God and silence Christianity and its influence in our country. That was my last year's revelation. So as you're reading, as you're going through the scriptures, as you're listening to God, and you have that aha moment, write it in the margin of your Bible. Maybe put the date on it. Hey, I was in this church and that happened. Um, fill up those blank pages at the beginning. You know, there's usually you know, two or three blank pages at the front of a, a Bible and at the back, 
Put stuff in there. Tell others. Tell others. That person that emailed me that nice, I had three slide here about trusting in God, giving a peace. You know, that person said, oh, that's what I want to do this year. That's what I want to do. But if you tell other people, if you share it with your spouse or in a home Bible study group, a small group, you start sharing it with people. They can help hold you accountable. You know, you wanted to pray for peace, and if a little while later you're not very peaceful, but you look at them, you remember sharing it. Remember, you, you wanted to pray for peace, and I'll pray for you for that. Uh, keep a prayer journal. Those are nice. You get stacks of them as the years go by. Uh, prayer journals of your, your uh, pleadings with the Lord and what he speaks to you. Even with my Bible app and my phone, there's footnotes you can put in there. But they're not easy to find, I don't think, as, as the old-fashioned you know, Bible that you can just write in. And don't forget to review them time to time and be encouraged. Like when Israel was crossing the Jordan River coming into the Promised Land, uh, one the tribes each gathered a huge rock out of the center, and they made a monument on the other side so that as their children and grandchildren walk by and they say, Daddy or Grandpa or Great-Grandpa, what's the purpose of all these 12 big, huge rocks here? And I said, well, it's to remember the time we were crossing the Jordan and the water stopped so we could cross on foot and keep the ark dry. You know, a monument. And you write those things down in your Bible and review them, you can be encouraged and remember the things that God has done in your life. There we go. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So I'd like the worship team to come up, and we, uh, I just pray, Lord God, that you would listen to, uh, that we would listen to you, we listen to your spirit as you answer our concerns. Amen.